News Talk ZB and the New Zealand Herald present Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, demystifying your finances. Hi, I'm Francis Cook. Welcome to the show. They do say that it's not what you know, but who you know. When you're at work, friends can be the people who make a long day go faster, or the people who save you when you're in a pinch. Whether it's the day-to-day grind or a full-blown emergency, it helps to have people in your corner. But friends aren't always a blessing. Keep in mind that we spend the majority of our waking hours at work. No matter how much you usually like someone, work politics can put a strain on even the best of buddies. And of course, not everyone will be your friend. When you've got enough people in a room together, some are guaranteed to rub each other the wrong way. You'll likely spend more time with your co-workers than your spouse, but you have absolutely no say on who those co-workers are. So, how can you make the most of those friendships that make work feel a little less like work? And can you ever neutralise a frenemy? News Talk ZB presents Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, boosting your business confidence. I'm joined now by Rachel Morrison, Senior Lecturer in Work and Organisational Psychology from AUT. So anyone who's working full-time probably spends most of their waking hours at work and surrounded by co-workers. How important do you think are those relationships with your colleagues to your well-being? Look, I think that having close friendships at work is really important. Um, For some people, it's um, seen as being quite fundamental to the experience of work. Um, So I've done research where people have reported that they would be quite likely to leave a job if they didn't have good friends there. Um, On the other hand, there are those who enter into a work place um, without the expectation of making friends and would be more than happy just to have, you know, polite collegial relationships with others um, and are sometimes quite keen to keep their workplace friendships or their friendships quite separate from their work relationships. And of course, there can be a flip side to that, right, where either a friendship goes wrong or maybe you never liked each other from the get go. What sort of situations have you come across in your research and what can be the points at which your co-worker relationships can get tricky? Um, I think there are a lot of expectations that come with being a close friend that can kind of directly come up against the expectations we have of our colleagues. Um, So there's a few quite sort of obvious ones, like, for example, um, there are a lot of jobs where there are expectations of confidentiality, where because of your work role, maybe you're a doctor or a, a lawyer, you can't tell your close friend this information and that goes directly against our expectations of being a close friend where really we expect our close friends to tell us things that are going to be important to us no matter what. So I think confidentiality is a, is a pretty good example of, of that conflict. Um, there's other ones as well. So uh, even our absolute best friend, we probably don't spend 40 or 50 hours a week with them. Um, so when we are forced into a relationship with a colleague who maybe we like them quite a lot, suddenly finding ourselves with them all day, every day, every week um, can kind of create a little bit um, too much connection and not enough autonomy in that relationship. Yes, like a sugar rush. If you like yeah. candy, it's all good. Until you have a whole bag of it. Mm. Not speaking from experience or anything there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and even things like reciprocity. So in a, in a friendship, we sort of expect a degree of give and take that if I do something for you, that will kind of, you know, you'll do something back. And uh, a relationship 
tends to be more successful if it's quite even in terms of the reciprocity. Um, but in a work relationship, sometimes you have a situation where by the nature of the roles that you have, one person's giving a lot more, perhaps they're your personal assistant, um, than they're receiving. So again, you know, that, that, that notion that the workplace itself is really impacting on the way that you conduct your friendship is quite an important one, I think. That's interesting. So that plays into a whole bunch of different power dynamics there. So what strikes me is, I mean, maybe it's just that I'm an incredibly conflict-averse sort of person. So maybe I'm projecting what I would do onto other people. But I imagine most people would want to handle these things without involving managers or HR, at, at the very least at first. So what are techniques for managing a workplace friendship so that it stays healthy? Or even if something turns into a bad relationship, how do you stop it deteriorating? Hmm. So I think in terms of managing a friendship in the workplace, that really generally will come down to each individual relationship. Um, I think there are some people that quite consciously keep a little bit of distance between themselves and their colleagues and perhaps um, are a little bit more sort of consciously aware of the issues that can can arise when um, those boundaries become a bit blurred. I think the point at which managers need to be involved is when that relationship deteriorates to the point that it becomes, you know, a bullying situation or um, one where perhaps there's, you know, sexual harassment um, or other types of harassment happening. Um, but generally, if it's just a friendship that somebody's managing, or even a sl- you know some slight animosity animosity between two people, um, I reckon probably most individuals manage those things themselves. If things do go sour, I mean, have you come across much in in your work and your research? What sort of situations have you seen? Well, I suppose not so much with friendship, but I think quite a good example of when things can turn a little bit pear-shaped is when you've got two individuals that have had a consensual romantic relationship at Mm. work and then the point at which that relationship ends can sometimes become, you know, that's when things can turn into, for example, sexual harassment, particularly if one member of that dyad is less willing than the other one to end the relationship. Um, And an interesting kind of side to that is now with um, social networking and um, mobile devices and Facebook and, and Instagram and so on, all of a sudden you're really blurring the boundaries between what you share with a work colleague and what you share with someone in your, for example, a Facebook friend who happens to also be a work colleague. Um, the the line between what you kind of share at work has suddenly become very much more blurred. And I think that that can kind of open the door for a bit of um, confusion as well in terms of what is and isn't appropriate. And you've mentioned a bit there about, you know, if it turns into bullying or sexual harassment or something like that, then that's a good time to alert the boss, which I totally agree with. I mean, when you're sitting next to someone for eight hours a day, five days a week, that sort of thing must be awful and just wear you down. But I also think there's a real... Nobody wants to rock the boat, right? So what are some ways that you can tell that something is starting to cross the line and it's not just all in your head, so to speak? Did you mean in terms of a negative interaction with others? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
I think I think people are normally pretty clear about when that relationship has deteriorated. Um, so bullying, for example, you know, sustained negative interactions over a period of time um, constitutes bullying. But but I think those relationships, whilst they're you know obviously really difficult to deal with, are sometimes almost easier to manage than um, what we think of as a frenemy. So someone who's your enemy, who who doesn't like you, who you have a negative relationship with, you can almost kind of compartmentalise that and hopefully try and avoid that person. When it's somebody who you have quite a good relationship with, um, often, who then occasionally will undermine you or who will, you know, be confusing in, in their negativity or you find out they've been talking badly about you behind your back but um, you still have this ongoing kind of relationship with, um, those um, those types of relationships are particularly difficult. So those kind of undermining frenemy relationships um, I think cause probably the most stress for people in organisations. What about for this sort of thing? I mean, can it even impact people's career trajectory, do you think? Um, yeah, so there's there's been a bit of research looking at that. Um, having a negative relationship with someone who is um, senior to you in the in your work context, so your boss or your manager, um, has quite a profound negative influence on your career. Um, and probably the reason for that is that you um, are sort of trapped in that role. You're not as likely to get a positive um, recommendation into your next job. Um, you're ne- not as likely to get promoted. You're not as likely to get positive performance evaluations. So, yeah, a negative relationship with your direct line manager or your manager would probably, you know, be the most damaging that you could have. Oh, yeah, that sounds awful. Mm. I mean, how, how would you even start handling a bad relationship with your boss? Well, I mean, leaving, leaving the role is probably the most uh, effective way of dealing with that. But unfortunately, if it is your boss you've got the bad relationship with, you may not have as many options um, in terms of being able to leave. So, yeah, it is, it's, a really, it's a really dangerous situation for people to be in. All right, so obviously... These relationships can also be incredibly positive. So how can people use these relationships with their coworkers to also get ahead? One of the key functions, I think, of organisational relationships is that they can provide a buffer um, to negative things that happen at work. So, for example, if you're feeling really overwhelmed or, or quite stressed um, by either things that are happening at work or perhaps things that are happening in your personal life, having a close friend at work um, to sort of lean on can be really, really useful. Um, interestingly, there's a real gender difference there where women are significantly more likely to utilise their workplace friends for those um, kind of emotional support functions. Um, men have been found to be a bit more kind of functional with their workplace friends and to, to find them to be useful and rewarding, but to be perhaps a little bit more likely to use them for, you know, f- getting their, their work done or, you know, getting some quite instrumental help at work. Um, and that sort of links in with um, female stress response. So uh, a lot of people, when they become very stressed, sort of flick into that fight-flight mode um, where they're just kind of ready to ready for action, um, but there's some evidence that when women become very stressed, they they may very well do that, but they also might flick into this tending and befriending mode, which is where they're sort of making connections um, and 
both seeking and offering emotional and social support. I think that's a really key advantage in particularly female workplace friends. Well, thank you. That's Rachel Morrison from AUT. And if you have any questions about this podcast or something you'd like me to look into in the future, do come and talk to me about it. I'm on Facebook at Francis Cook Journalist or Twitter at Francis Cook. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio. And if you wanted to leave a five-star review, I will see it pop up and smile from ear to ear. Until next time, have a great day. And that's Francis cooking up your business confidence for another week on News Talk ZB.